Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. They take care of our air conditioning, and they'll do a great job for you. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator, will be joining us. Boo Mortensen, we'll find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Les Government. We're talking about the COVID bill, that $1.9 trillion travesty. And Linda Harden will be joining us. She writes Greetings from Paradise. I think she may have written her last Greetings from Paradise, but irrespective, she's got a lot to say about what's happening locally as well as on the national scene. It is March the 2nd, and on this day in 1807, the United States Congress passed an act to prohibit the importation of slaves into any port or place within the jurisdiction of the United States from any foreign kingdom, place, or country. That's right on this date in 1807. The first shipload of African captives to the British colonies in North America arrived in Jamestown in 1619. That's the 1619 project you may be familiar with that, uh, quite frankly, the Biden administration is pushing. But for the most part of the 17th century, European indentured servants were, for the most part, more numerous in North American British colonies than were enslaved Africans. However, after 1680, I should say, the flow of indentured servants sharply declined, leading to an explosion in African slave trade. By the middle of the 18th century, slavery could be found in all 13 colonies and was at the core of the southern colonies' agricultural economy. By the time of the American Revolution, the English importers alone had brought some 3 million captive Africans to the Americas. After the war, as enslaved labor was not a crucial element of the northern economy, most northern states passed legislation to abolish slavery. However, In the South, the invention of the cotton gin in 1793 made cotton a major industry and sharply increased the need for enslaved labor. Tension arose around the North and South as slave of the free status of uh, new states was debated in January 1807 with a self-sustaining population of over 4 million enslaved people in the South. Some Southern congressmen joined with the Northern in voting to abolish the African slave trade and the act of that became effective January the 1st, 1808. The widespread trade of enslaved people within the South was not prohibited, however. and Children of enslaved people automatically became enslaved themselves, thus ensuring a self-sustaining population in the South. Great Britain also banned the African slave trade in 1807, but the trade of African captives in Brazil and Cuba continued until the 1860s. By 1865, some 12 million Africans had been shipped across the Atlantic Ocean to the Americas, and more than 1 million of these individuals had died from mistreatment during the voyage. In addition, an unknown number of Africans died in wars and forced marches 
directly uh, resulting from the Western Hemisphere's demand for enslaved people. So trade slave actually bringing slaves in, 1807, that's when it stopped, but of course the population was self-sustaining and children of slaves became slaves themselves. Well, after last-minute revisions, Collier County Commissioners approved Stock Development's controversial plan for one Naples, one block from Vanderbilt Beach, at a marathon meeting yesterday, commissioners voted 4-1 to one on each of the developers' four requests, most importantly a rezoning and small-scale growth plan amendment. One by one, Commissioner Bill McDaniel motioned to approve the proposals, with a second coming from Andy Solis, who represents the North Naples District, where the most residential resort-style luxury project will go. After thinking long and hard about the multi-million dollar project, Solis said it made more sense than the only other alternative offered by the local developer, a purely commercial project that could be built by right uh, similar to, uh, to a mini Mikado. So those aren't the only choices, though, Andy Solis. What we could have done is just demanded that they maintain uh, the structure that they're building within the current requirements for building. I don't think that happened, though. Having this developed intensely as a commercial property, I think, would fundamentally change the neighborhood, he said, and not in a good way, bringing most unwanted traffic and congestion to an already constrained area of the county. He asked rhetorically how many places existed where residents or visitors could dine and drink on the water and then walk to the beach in Collier County. Maybe three, he said. Maybe so it would be an, an attractor, he said. McDaniel along with Commissioners Bert Sanders and Rick LaCastro, all agreed that residential project would fit into the neighborhood much better. Commission Chairwoman Penny Taylor voted no on each of the proposals, raising concerns about the 11th hour changes. The developer made a handful of revisions at the hearing, including reducing the number of total residences to 140 from 172, cutting the size of the high-rise towers to 12 stories from 14, including two levels of parking, decreasing zoned height of its mid-rise residential buildings to 55 feet, back from 65 feet, increasing the setback of the parking structure supporting the towers to 25 feet from 15, limiting the number of boat slips from 75 to 99, and with the changes, the actual height of the two towers dropped to 165 feet from 186. So those are improvements and changes, but again, the question is, did they comply with the county requirements. I don't think they probably did. This was a compromise and pushed through in the 11th hour. Here's the other problem. Once it starts, uh, if they begin to violate the agreement on which they agreed, there could be fines. But in fact, uh, as happened so many times in Cuyahoga County, they'll go ahead and violate the agreement and build what they want to build, irrespective of the requirements and the decisions made by the Cuyahoga County Commissioners. That's not sad, but that's pretty much what's happened in the past. Well, President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus bill is a Trojan horse that the Democrats will use as a slush fund to buy votes over the next four years. That, according to U.S. Representative Devin Nunes, he said on Sunday, Nunes is a Californian, told Sunday Morning Futures anchor Marie Bartiromo that the proposal which the U.S. House of Representatives passed with a vote early Saturday, has very little to do with COVID relief. This is a slush fund, he said, in order to buy votes that Biden can use over the next four years. 
It's a Trojan horse with a $2 trillion in it that so they can build things like a goofy high-speed rail they haven't even completed. The proposal contains a third $1,400 stimulus check for Americans earning less than $75,000 a year annually, increases job benefits to $400 a week through the end of August, expands the child care credit up to $3,600 per child, includes $350 billion for state and local government funding, a.k.a. bailing out blue states, and allocates $170 billion for K-12 schools and higher education institutions to cover reopening costs. Tucked into the House bill was also the Democrats' plan to gradually increase the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour, an effort many Republicans have rejected. I'd be very disappointed if at least one Democrat senator doesn't stand up and object to this bill. It is truly has very little to do with COVID relief. And by the way, the economy is doing just fine without the bill. $1.9 trillion is a lot of tamales, not monies we can afford. And of course, when interest rates go up, how are we going to pay the interest on that? Nobody's talking about that right now. It's a big problem. President Joe Biden should have already given his first State of the Union address why is the media ignoring the clear obfuscation of the long-held tradition for an elected president to address the nation before the end of February? Here we are in March, and still there's no State of the Union address speech on the White House schedule. According to the American Thinker last month, Biden promised what sounds exactly like the State of the Union address. Next month is the quote, In my first appearance before a joint session of Congress, I'll lay out my Build Back Better recovery plan, he said. It'll make historic investments in infrastructure, manufacturing, innovation, and research in developing clean energy. The AP and the uh, PBS both got wind of the address. It was not to be given on February 23rd and said so in the posts that are now being deep-sixed. We don't know where the February 23rd date came from. It's a great mystery, said uh, Pisaki during a regular daily briefing. Jimmy Carter, a failed one-term president, actually skipped in the year of his inauguration, missing an opportunity to lay out his plan for the presidency. Remember the grand malaise? He blamed the American people for the problems in the economy. Well, anyhow, it looks like uh, Biden can't step up and do this. The excuse dredged up yesterday for missing the State of the Union address, you guess it, is the January 6th Capitol incursion, which left uh, wants to make the uh, defining moment of history. Capitol Police is keeping its security posture high in response to the intelligence that indicates that some extremists who joined in the January 6th insurrection have discussed plans to attack the building during the State of the Union address. Nonsense. Joe is unable to speak coherently for more than two minutes. It's fairly clear he would never be able to withstand the pressure of addressing a joint session of Congress without a Barack Obama-like figure whispering to him behind the curtain in a hidden earpiece. Joe just can't pull it off. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Even more, give them a call. Also, by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
or of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And the website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. She's also in charge of the rules committee in the uh, Senate. I probably got the title wrong, Kathleen, but thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, got it. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And today is the big day. I guess everything gets kicked off. Yeah, today is opening day. It's uh, largely ceremonial. The um, House and the Senate both open the session. Uh, the governor will give an address, but it's going to be different this year because typically um, the Senate opens first and then the House opens and then the Senate <coughs> goes over to the House for um, you know, the address of the governor. But because of COVID, the uh, senators are going to stay in the Senate chamber, the House in their chamber, and um, the governor, I think, will just address uh, uh, both uh, chambers from the House. Uh, the president and I will go over to the House for that, but the rest of the senators are going to just watch on the screen. What do you expect, Kathleen? Well, I think the uh, I think for first of all, I think the governor will uh, take a lead in 
uh, his remarks, um, you know, what he's looking forward to this session. As, as you know, he's already um, produced his budget, uh, which is very robust um, and uh, actually a little bit higher than one would expect. Mm. So I'm sure he's going to talk a little bit about that. He's going to talk about initiatives, and I'm sure he's going to talk about, you know, the steps he has taken during the pandemic to keep the state open and thriving, which um, is very clear when we look at the state of Florida versus other states that have been shut down, you know, and, and I'm sure he's going to mention the fact that uh, even though we've kept open, uh, our incidence of COVID and COVID deaths are not as high as other states, and yeah. particularly, um, and I'm sure he'll compare us to New York. Yeah. So that's what I expect, but who knows? Um, right. And then, you know, we're going to start, you know, back to committee meetings and floor sessions, passing bills and working on the budget. Parenthetically, just taking a step back, uh, Linda and I watched the uh, CPAC, a large part of especially yes. Trump's uh, address, and, uh, and of course, DeSantis, too, opening up the session. But, uh, of course, the vote indicated that he would be second in terms of polling for being a presidential candidate. Uh, Christy Nome was up there in, in the ranking as well. I guess my point being is he is so popular now, not only in Florida, but across the country, that he, he can certainly build on that. Yeah, uh, well, you know, his policies have kept Floridians working. And, um, you know, I think you can't discount that. And at the same time, you know, obviously every day there are people that are concerned about the various issues with the pandemic, whether you can get your shots or can't get your shots and everything. But that's a problem all over the country. Mm -hmm. So he's doing a yeoman's job in, um, you know, keeping Florida open uh, responsibly. And, uh I, you know, when you, the proof is in the pudding, we, we have uh, better unemployment um, rates than others. And we're, and we, you know, we're open and people are, are flocking to Florida. It's so true. You know, uh, one of the things I think about, and I'm sure you're thinking about it too, but this, uh, this quite frankly, horrible agenda that's being brought by, by the president uh, Biden uh, things like uh, having men participate in women's sports, things like uh, killing the 1776 project and uh, implementing the 1619 project. Go just down the list. All these executives' orders, keeping the uh, borders open, uh, joining the climate, uh, the Paris Climate Accord, and I'm sure I'm missing so many important things. But I guess my point is this: How can we protect ourselves here in Florida? from having this stuff uh, splash all over us? Well, um, you know, there are uh, some of the um, uh, executive orders that the president are issuing, uh, I presume that if that we either have a prohibited on our, in our laws already um, mm -hmm. or will come up. But I, I haven't seen too many pieces of legislation in that regard. You know, I would like to say something about um, the women's sports issue. Uh, it, to me, if you take a step back and look at it objectively, it really doesn't make sense. Um, you know, to take aside the uh, psychological issue um, or the, you know, the, the feelings of the individual who, um, you know, it has gender identity issues, take that aside, it's physically, uh, they're different. And it's not fair to the other participants to, to do this. It's almost like taking steroids. That's not fair to other participants. So, I mean, some of these things you just have to look at with a common sense approach and say, yeah. what's, what's fair? 
what's right. Yeah. You know, don't get into the you know, the politics of gender identity they like. It's just look at look at the whole field and say um, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I think there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, I think I think that makes so much sense. And to me, it would be just very refreshing if there was a law in the books that basically said in Florida, signed by the governor, men will not participate, irrespective of gender identity, in women's sports. If you want to do that, move to Connecticut or some place <laughs> that allows yeah, it. I, and honestly, I am not a constitutional scholar. I wish I were. To, um, to look at what the powers of the president are and, and whether or not the, those executive orders can be, um, the states can pass laws against them. I, I, you know, that's something that, that we haven't really delved into yet, yeah. but I'm sure it will occur. Yeah, well, and neither am I, believe me. And, uh, but uh, what I do believe is I think it would be important, I think, to have somebody who's paying attention to these things and just asking the question, do we want this in Florida? And if not, what can we do about it? I'm certain that sure. the state legislature and the governor can uh, really take a stand and uh, you know, make sure that uh, these crazy things are not implemented in, in our state. Sure. Well, Kathleen? Yeah, well, so, you know, right now my focus is going to be on what we in Florida can do for our uh, residents and our citizens and and you know, I'm, you know, I spend all day every day watching bills to make sure that none of them are that bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm meddling in everybody else's bills and making sure that, that you know we do the right thing. Be, and it gets complicated because everybody has a different opinions. Yeah, I and mean, just to back off for just for a moment, I do want our listeners to understand that you are the chairman of the of the rules committee. Tell us what role yes. that is going to help. What role you'll be playing now going forward with the legislation in the Senate? Right for the next two years. So every bill that is filed in in the Senate uh, goes to the Rules Committee for review, um, and so I have to look at it, read every bill initially, not whether I like it or not, because by our rules, every every bill has to be referenced to committees. So I have to look at the bill and determine what committees would be best or appropriate to um, hear those bills if the chair wishes to. Now, obviously, with 2,000 bills being filed, and we only pass about 170, 180, not every bill even gets a hearing, <clears throat> particularly some of those protest bills or dumb bills or, or, or bills that really just don't have a purpose. Some people just do that, just mm -hmm. file bills. Yep. But I can't not refer them, so that ha And then during the process... Every time a bill is amended, it has come back to me to look at to see whether or not the amendment makes it uh, um, needs to go back to another committee to look at it because if it adds something that wasn't really in in the original bill or you know that kind of thing, so that goes on. And then at the end of the of the bill review process, every bill to my committee or to the appropriations committee for final review. Wow. Uh, or hearing, and then I decide which bills go to go on the floor. Obviously, the president—that's uh, the president—picks uh, the ones, and and I kind of work with them to decide which bills we're actually going to hear and uh, pass through. Sounds so it, sounds like a lot of work. It, it, it is a lot of work. I didn't realize how much it was, but it's fun. I mean, it's. It's good. It's right up my alley. I love policy. Outstanding. Kathleen Fasadema, our state senator. I just And again, big day. This is going to be very ceremonial, listening to the uh, governor make his speech today. Just really appreciate you taking time to visit with us. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, right here on the Paradise Coast. Coast? Coast, coast. <laughs> Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. And as you said, uh, talking about less government, well, how about moving something? Uh, Florida, you know how successful Florida has been with the coronavirus and it, you know all the billionaires from New York and out east are moving here and you know florida's the shining star right now as far as i'm concerned right so i found an article in saturday's wall street journal that said that florida has gotten so cheeky that this month its chief financial officer sent a letter inviting the new york stock exchange to relocate to miami you know what that makes a lot of sense i mean one of the things you're considering is is a, a some a couple of mills or pennies or whatever it might be to each trade as a tax, 
and which would really devastate the costs of, of doing securities business. So there's some real reasons why that might, might occur. I think, I think that may have died, but irrespective, you have all these costs, you have all the things that are happening in New York. I mean, it'd be great if they'd moved to Miami, but why not? If not Miami, then uh, Kentucky or someplace. Yeah, I think, but I think Florida is a, uh, look how well we've done the coronavirus. I'll tell you, I went out to a restaurant last night, and it's business as usual. Yeah. And I was with a, uh, my nephew from, lives in New York City. He said this is like having an out-of-body experience coming down here versus New York. Isn't it so, the case? It is yeah. absolutely the case. It is so refreshing. Now, I've been somewhat homebound because of my recovery from, from my back surgery. But even bef- before that, going just going out to dinner, you could see all the people who are having fun, enjoying each other. Uh, you know, I think there's social distancing going on, but <laughs> in some cases, I think that virtual distancing is kind of a virtual experience. People are having fun down here. No, absolutely. Restaurants are jammed. It's it's great. So to change the subject a little bit, I found two articles that I thought were so fascinating about space exploration. And apparently in 2025, hmm. they are going to build a station. Uh, they'll build it on the ground, but it will be the world's first space hotel. In 2025, it will have up to 400 guests. There will be individual pods, which will include hotel rooms, movie theaters, bars, health spa, restaurants. Uh, It's going to cost a hundred billion, and it will it'll be it'll be like a spoke, uh, like a wheel with spokes, and it'll be spinning to keep the gravity. there so you're not floating around be the same gravity as on the moon now if that was viable would you go no but (laughs) i do have a couple of questions though Uh, i didn't hear where it was going to be built is it going to be built on the moon or is it just going to be in outer space it's going to be built on earth here Uh and then it will be shot into space because you know, now you've got NASA, but you've got all those SpaceX, you've got all those other independently owned companies that'll shoot it into space, and then it will be, I guess, reassembled up there. Reassembled on, on uh, for example, Mars or, or the moon? No, or in space. Just It'll in be space. twirling around Earth. Wow, that's so interesting. I, I, I wasn't aware of that. And uh, will it be private contractors that are going to do this? Is it somebody like yes. Elon Musk, or is it going to be the, the National Association of Space or NASA? Well, it'll be NASA, it'll be uh, private people, it'll be pilots, engineers, architects, and they'll build a, a system that are these individual pods for different purposes. Uh-huh. It'll be cool. So that's the high side. The low side is, listen to this, this is also a NASA story. When uh, NASA started sending astronauts into space, They quickly discovered that the ballpoint pen could not work in zero gravity. Hmm. So to fix the problem, Congress, of course, Congress had to get its sticky little fingers in there, (laughs) and they approved a program for NASA with NASA scientists, and they spent a decade and over $165 million, $165 million developing a pen 
that would write in zero gravity, it would write upside down, and it would write almost on any surface. And uh, any surface and then temperatures raising, ranging from below zero to over 300 centigrade. The Russians, what did they do? They used a pencil. <laughs> 300, did you say $165 million to develop? And keep in mind... To uh, develop an ink pen. And, and, and just a few years ago, we didn't even have a space program. It was... Uh, that is just see, boo, that is just unbelievable information. So the the, the Russians say, hey, "We've got an idea. Let's just use pencils." Pencils. <laughs> that is such a great story. Well, I'm intrigued. I thought so. I thought you'd enjoy that. And then this this thing with this space hotel really looks fascinating. You know, you take a wheel, and then you've got the spokes through it, and then all around the exterior of the wheel are all these different pods, which will include hotel rooms, restaurants, movie theaters, gym, that sort of thing. Yeah, so you asked cool. me, I, I didn't ask you, would you have an interest in doing this? You know, I think it would be kind of scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take to build this. You know, it could take 20 years to build it, mm-hmm. in which case we're too old. Mm-hmm. But if I were younger, uh, yeah, I think I would. How cool, looking down at Earth through your hotel window. Mm-hmm. How cool would that be? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, can, I guess I can understand the fascination with it, quite frankly. I'm kind of a homebody. <laughs> the, the, the notion of going to Fort Myers right now is a little exciting, never mind going to the moon. <laughs> going down to the space booth. But uh, it's, it's so interesting. I'm so happy you brought that to my attention, to our attention. Uh, and what, what's the date for completion? I guess it sounds like it's going to be 20, 25 years. Oh, I think it's just going to take a long time. They don't, they really don't, they estimated the cost saying it's $100 billion, but holy Toledo. But they don't say how long it will take to, um, to build it. Yeah. You know, plus then you've got to put each module on a rocket and blow it into space and then assemble it. I mean, it's a major production. It's like building a city in space, really. Yeah. Wow. You you could be a doctor there. I mean, they're going to have to to facilitate all kinds of services in order to make that happen. Just a very interesting concept, though. Boo Mortensen, it's always a pleasure to get your insights and thoughts here on the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. Hope you feel better. Thank you so much, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. 
Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, I want to point out Choice Social. It's a pretty darn good, refreshing social networking platform. And I hope you'll check it out. You can go to choicesocial.us. That's the website. You can also go to your app store and, and uh, just do a, uh, a search for Choice Social. It's pretty cool. Uh, coming up, I'm going to be visiting with my wife, Linda. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Les Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Tell us about less government. Yes, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's headed in the wrong direction. Man, is it. Now, they've, they've got this COVID bill, the stimulus bill, that's somehow some miraculously supposed to pull our economy back out of the doldrums. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this tra- travesty? Well, I, I, I you know, they're... They're at the point now, the Democrats on the left are at the point now where they know that the media, you know, they can, they'll say one thing and do the exact opposite and know that the media will just simply quote them and then not report that they're violating what they said, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they were lying. Um, the, uh, you know, the unity thing is an example. You know, Biden comes out and bumbles and mumbles his way through a teleprompter that says, you know, we want to unify all Americans. I'm the president of all Americans. And then he sets a land speed record for unilateral executive actions that have nothing to do with A, the Constitution, B, Congress, or C, uh, unity. Um, or D, so, how about the welfare of the American people? Uh, well, yes, and it's an, it's, a, it's an America last agenda right. is what it is. Right. Um, it's It's, you know, let's, let's we, we became energy independent. Well, let's end that and let's, kill these pipelines and you know let's let's hurt fracking and and let's stop coal mining and let's spend even more money on solar and wind which texas just proved is a stupid mistake you know by the way texas just proved that for the 19 millionth time that it's mm-hmm. been proven that mm-hmm. it doesn't work mm-hmm. um so yeah so they're very you know they're they, they you know they, and then they named this stupid bill this two trillion dollar bill the covid relief bill when precious little of it actually goes to COVID relief or COVID right. stimulus. Right. Um, $1,400 per person uh, going to actual Americans um, is like, what is it, $400 billion, $300 billion? Okay, what's the other $1.6 trillion? 
Well, it's cronyism mostly. It's bailouts for states mm-hmm. uh, and cities run by Democrats who have been broke for decades, well, way years and years and years before we ever heard of COVID, and just just from overspending and mismanagement. Right, and and it goes to. A bunch of green. There's like, there's like a mini Green New Deal in this thing. Um, you know, uh, it, it spends. It gives billions of dollars to local governments to pretend to be internet service providers and, and broadband providers and mm. compete with the private sector broadband providers. Um, it, it's it's a giant monstrosity. Um, the, it, it undoes a lot of the Clinton welfare reforms. From the 90s, going back to the 90s, which the, the estimate is it'll, that this bill will kill 8 million jobs combined with killing the welfare reform, uh, the, the uh, expanded uh, you know, handout benefits, of uh, all of that stuff could, together is going to kill about 8 million jobs. Yeah. And I, I just remember that, you know, the, the bill is you know, working its way through Congress. And then late last week I got this report from... Some independent uh, auditors or, or accountants or something, and they're they're estimating. And the reason, it, one of the reasons it jumped in my mind is almost the same amount of money. Five um, G wireless. We talked about five G wireless. They're estimating that in the next, I think, five years, it's going to generate one point five trillion dollars of economic activity. Hmm. And that's almost what the COVID bill is, right? Mm-hmm. And the only, there's several very important differences. One of them is it's not deficit spending that we're putting on the country's credit card. It's naturally occurring economic activity that generates the $1.5 trillion. Right. Um, so there's no interest being accrued <laughs> on, the t- on the national tab for this, for this money. Um, uh, then, of course, you have 10G, which is the wired version of 5G, and, and they're going to get to 10 gigabits. And uh, of speed, and that's incredibly fast, and that's going to generate hundreds of billions of dollars of economic. I think it's funny. I think if you add them up, they get to one point nine trillion dollars. That's amazing. Um, I didn't, didn't know that. And of course, Steve. again, it's all private sector. It's private sector jobs. It's creating, you know. Of course, there's the there's the exponential factor, the, the orders of magnitude factor. You know, not just the primary jobs of. You know, digging trenches and laying cable and hanging uh, antenna and all that, but all the economic uh, economic activity that results from yeah. having that much speed and that much access to the internet. You know, all these ancillary. My job, the reason I'm, I can live down here in Florida is because of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just as one example. Um, you know, uh, so. It was just an interesting juxtaposition to me, and one of the interesting ones, because the report on 10G came out in October, but I went and found it because it was the last one I could find to put together with the 5G report that came out last week. And it's just funny that we're doing so well on, that, on, this, on the Internet, which, of course, is the only thing that saved us during the government lockdowns, and it, it was funny in the October 10G report, they said, and we could get more out of this than we've already assessed if we get favorable government regulatory policy. Of course, that was October yeah. before the election. So what is the And end? now we've got Biden in office, and he's going to impose net neutrality almost certainly, and he's going to 
do all sorts of dumb things yeah. to expand government in the Internet sector, which is the exact opposite of what the report was asking for and, and, and begging for in October of last year. Yeah, so it's just un- unbelievable. I, I, however, I was not aware of 10G and, and the other benefits coming from this. So I, I really appreciate you bringing that to our attention. My personal, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the wired. It, people forget, you know, everyone's so, so focused on 5G wireless. Why you, you can't have wireless without wired? Right. No, no cellular phone call goes from my phone to your phone without traveling over wires somewhere along the line. Right. So the fact that it, the fact that we're making that much headway on the wired side too is is just as important because it's it's like a it's like a, a three three legged race you know one guy can't get ahead of the other guy too far because <laughs> it, 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 they they need each other right so, that's such an interesting concept you know my my opinion about this uh, this COVID bill is that a perfect outcome for the Democrats would be to have everybody on food stamps kill small businesses. Uh, have big big businesses thrive, uh, you know, or just get us into a total welfare state. Have people dependent on government, and uh, just gravitate to socialism. That's that's the that's the point of this. Of course, I said in the piece, as government expands, uh, the the private sector contracts because it's it's called the 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 economic term is the crowding out effect. Yeah, and remember, all these internet providers. To, to invest in all this expansion of the Internet, need to borrow money. They need to go on the capital market and borrow money. Well, if the government's borrowing all the money for deficit spending, they're, they're crowding out the private sector trying to borrow the money for actually productive things. See, that's such an important point. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Take a look at the column. The COVID bill, government deficit spending is worse than private sector investment. Uh, Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. She writes Greetings from Paradise. By the way, what's happening with Greetings from Paradise? We're going to find out about that. Also, by talking about what's happening nationally and locally as well. We'll do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you 
have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're dedicated to providing news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Right now we have with us Linda Harden. She is the author of Greetings from Paradise. She's also my wife, my lovely wife. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. It's my birthday eve. Birthday eve, indeed it is. We don't need to mention any numbers, by the way. Well, okay, but you know what? Also, on your latest Greetings from Paradise, which I've posted, by the way, on my website, it's almost like a swan song. It's like uh, you're saying goodbye. Well, I I am, in a way, because, um, you know, I'm a very teeny tiny part of this cancel culture where um, big tech is making it more difficult for me to um, to write my my little epistle that I put out 16 years ago. Started putting out 16 years ago. Um, they decided the company that I had to hire because Google squashed me mm-hmm. uh, years ago. Um, they've decided, oh no, we're going to change everything about the plant platform that we do it. So you're going to have to change everything about uh, what you do. Well, I must say, I, I'm sure that you've got uh, readers who do not want to see you go away because well, what's interesting about what you do is, number one, you're curious, you find things out about things that are going on, and you tend to put on the bright side of the news that's happening and to help people understand what what they could be doing on the Paradise Ghost to have more fun and enjoy their lives. And, oh, by the way, guess what? What? Um, I've been even demonized for being happy. <laughs> I mean, I, I've I've gotten responses to how wonderful it is to live in paradise to say, how dare you be happy and, and talk about this, this state, this free state of Florida that should not even be open. Yeah, well, you know, I think that's just the state of affairs right now. People are irritable about being all masked up. We're so grateful to have a fantastic governor here, Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, uh, you and I watched the CPAC together. Uh, any thoughts or comments on that? I loved it. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And you know what? Donald Trump is a rock star, and it was, I've missed him. I know we've, we've talked about it. Well, we, that's how he started his speech by, do you miss me? I know, <laughs> and it was so great. I have missed that man so much. He is just, I, Biden must have been hiding under the bed the whole time to watch the, the enthusiasm, yeah. not, only, not only in that auditorium, but outside in the streets waiting for the Trumpster to show up. It was absolutely worth watching the whole day it was indeed it was great to see and uh, he gave a great speech 
course, what's conspicuously absent through the month of February is the State of the Union address from Joe Biden, who I don't think could string together a couple of sentences, never mind give a State of the Union address. So. No, he'd probably put us into the Third World War within <laughs> within moments of opening his mouth, for yeah. sure. But in, in any event, uh, kind of interesting to watch people backpedaling of a former ambassador, uh, Nikki Haley, from South Carolina, was kind of uh, bad-mouthing Trump, saying, well, we're not going to have him around here anymore after he left office. Now she's backpedaling and saying, boy, what a strong speech he gave. Uh, she, so we're seeing people like Nikki Haley and Mitch McConnell and others are basically are saying, oops, maybe I'm on the wrong side of this issue. Maybe. Well, well, guess what it's doing? It, it's exactly what needs to be done, and then that's revealing where these people really stand. I mean, how do you spell hypocrisy in all capital letters? Mm-hmm. They, they're only they're only on the side of which way the wind is blowing at that current time. I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Of course, what was interesting about President's speech is he started to spell out name by name the people that are uh, on the docket for uh, being replaced. Little Ben Sass. <laughs> Little <laughs> to Ben Sass. To, to name one. But there's others, lots of congressmen, lots of senators, and he basically went through one by one and said, these are the people that we need to replace with strong MAGA supporters in order to continue our movement. And he did mention with a few um, adjectives, um, shoot, I can't think of it. What's the name of the, the, the gal? Cheney. He mentioned Cheney, that she's a warmonger, and that, I mean, he called them all out. It was great. By the way, I just have to backpedal for a second. Um, before before Trump got on the stage, it was so cool to see that tribute to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, it was just absolutely stirring. Talk about missing the man. I don't know how he will ever ever be replaced. No, he won't. And uh, to have Bo Snerdly, I saw the extended interview of Bo Snerdly. What was that on Greg Kelly's show yesterday? Greg Kelly and and Bo Snerdly. It was Rush's quote unquote producer, but um. Both, it's interesting that Bo Snerdley's name, real name is is James Golden. Yeah, and he said in that interview that um, that Bo Snerdley was the one who produced the show when Rush was gone, when it was on vacation or whatever. But when Rush was there, he did it all. He said he was the most well prepared um, person for a radio show that he has ever ever seen. Yeah. And a little a little uh, side note was that. Uh, Mr. Snurdly or James Golden was the one who married uh, Rush and his um, wife Catherine. Now, in I had beautiful no ceremony. Yeah, no, he a very interesting interview. And uh, Rush, uh, you just can't, you know, he was one of a kind. He'll never be replaced. And uh, I just think the world of him. He was always prepared. He was just believed passionately. He was certainly in concert. In other words, there is no uh, dissonance within his personality. He was who he was. He was just a truly a great man. One other thing I appreciated about CPAC, though, is they did a review of all the activities they're doing, not only nationally, and the CPAC conference was fantastic, but they're having meetings in other countries around the world, around uh, different states here in the nation. Worldwide. Worldwide. They're very active. It's, it, it's kind of moving, I'm going to not call it the nationalist movement, but the conservative movement to fight socialism around the world. Right, and these countries went to, uh, sought out Matt Schlapp and his wife, who were the ones who, who started CPAC, and, and begged them to come to their respective countries to, yeah. to, to hold CPAC. So that was really awesome. Yeah, he's got a full-time job for sure, but I think, I think they did an absolutely uh, great job. Our own Byron Donald. I was just going to say, how good a job did he do? He was fantastic. Byron, of course, first term. 
U.S. congressman, uh, was on a panel at CPAC. I think it was probably uh, our last meeting on Sunday, Saturday maybe it was. It was on Saturday. It was on Saturday. But uh, really an interesting discussion about uh, having uh, uh, having uh, um, diversity within the party, and his contributions were just fantastic. Well, Very proud of Byron. He's doing a great job in Congress. Exactly, and, and the people on the panel with Byron complimented him one side up one side and down the other, saying, we are so glad to have Byron Donalds um, in Congress with us because he really knows his stuff. I mean, I, they didn't say he knows his stuff. I'm, that's my words. But, but Byron is just smart as he can be and, no, and knows everything there is to know. Yeah. I'd love to see him go against, have a little debate with Mitch McConnell or some of these. <laughs> some of these rhinos. Well, in, 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 in any event, right now, we're in kind of troubled waters with regard to this $1.9 trillion quote-unquote stimulus bill and with the uh, HR1 uh, that's coming down, some of the things that this administration is proposing is going to destroy our society. And I, I for one, would like to see here in Florida uh, having somebody paying attention to what's being proposed and to start passing laws and signed by the governor to prevent these things from being implemented in Florida. Exactly. And I think, um, I think people are getting fed up, and I, it, you can see it by... People are, are actually exposing now Andrew Cuomo with, with all of his misdeeds and, and Gavin Newsom for his misdeeds. The, the Democrat mayor of Seattle is resigning because she's not. I mean, things are happening. Things are happening. They're not probably in our timeline, but things are happening. By the way, I just have to mention one thing before we go. One, one thing I find so amusing and, and what makes Trump and Rush Limbaugh similar is they both have really interesting names for people. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Plug. Michelle, Michelle, my bell, Obama, uh, yeah. uh, or info babes, re- referring yeah. to people on on the TV, and of course we know we won't even go go through what Trump has called people, but oh, it, 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 they both have the greatest names for people that stick to them. That's so true, and the names do stick. Uh, I think uh, Joe Biden got hair plugs, if I'm not mistaken. Plugs, but he called them plugs for the longest time. Uh, now, of course, President Trump calling him Sleepy Joe. But, uh, boy, the poor guy. Don't forget Crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary <laughs> as well. Linda Harden, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Always enjoy having you on. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a ball. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute, covering uh, executive orders. Also, uh, Andrew Jopp is professor and author of Josephus of Oz. He'll be on the show. And Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books. His latest just came out. I've forgotten the name of it right now, but uh, the one before that was How Everything Happened, Including Us. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.